Welcome to the Dayspring Audio Library, the teaching ministry of Pastor Daniel Rehoff. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will have a powerful impact on your life. So sit back and enjoy today's time in the Word. study verse by verse of the book of Acts. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts is where we're at. Uh, I was thinking the other day, my <clears throat> kind of an interesting story, my, my brother owns a rather large company in Illinois and <clears throat> he had told one of his employees uh, who, was a, who, was a, who was a bad employee, he was a critical employee, he was always complaining. We don't, you don't know any critical or uh, complaining employees, right? <laughs> where you work, right? And uh, he finally said, you know what, you just, you're just causing a problem. You just don't need to be here. And uh, that critical bad employee ended up coming back around a lot uh, just to have lunch with the rest of the employees later on after he was let go and hanging out with, with uh, them and, and calling them and texting them and just being, a, you know, being an employee, whatever like that. Well, it turns out later that what happened was some of his good employees ended up being bad employees. And they also kind of caught this bug and disgruntled and unsatisfied with the company, and they left too. It wasn't but too long after that, a couple of months later, that the good employees finally came back, <laughs> tail between their legs, <laughs> saying, what were we thinking? What were we doing? Why, why did we go with that person? Why did we listen to that person? It caused us nothing but problems, nothing but grief. There was nowhere else to go. This is a good company. And, and the grass really wasn't greener on the other side. And, uh, and they, they kind of thought, like, what, what were they doing? And, and these employees learned a very valuable lesson at my brother's company. We're going to look at a story similar to this in today in our study in the book of Acts. As we're going verse by verse, which means literally we, we picked up where we left off last week and we keep going today. So the verses we cover today are the verses that are after the verses we covered last week. And if you've got your Bible, we're in the book of Acts and we're at chapter 20 is where we're at. And uh, quick review here, the guy Paul... Uh, who's in the, the character here in the story, he's a missionary, and he's on a mission trip. In the back of your Bible, you probably have a map, and you could follow his third missionary trip to kind of follow the little colors and see which way he went. But the book of Acts is the Acts of the first church. It's the story of what happened in the early church. So we're picking up on verse 17, where we really kind of left off last week. Starting with verse 17, I'll read it. You follow along, and we'll talk about it as we go. <clears throat> and uh, look what he says there in verse 17. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus, those are towns, and called the elders of the church. Now just kind of a note that, who did he call? He didn't call the congregation the church, he called the leadership of the church, right? In the New Testament there's elders, plural, and there's elders, singular. Uh, the pastor is the head of the church, supported by an elder board uh, that keeps things in checks and balances. And there's the leadership here, he doesn't call the congregation you don't see congregation-run churches in the New Testament. You see, you see uh, elder-run or, or pastor-run churches, so to speak. But we have very good checks and balances at this church. Uh, the church has to uh, have, have annual meetings every year, has to review everything. The church votes in the elder board. The elder board works together as a team to be the pastor's assistants, not the pastor's resistance. <laughs> Too many churches, the deacon board or the elder board is the pastor's resistance. That's not their job. They're supposed to be the assistant to the pastor. We have a very good board here, and they're very much on, on, on the same page, of course, very unified, which is just a wonderful thing. It's interesting if you do read, if you had time, the book of Timothy, 
There's two books to a guy named Timothy. He's a pastor. And the book to Titus, he's a pastor. Those, those books very clearly lay out that you as the pastor, your job singular as the singular head of the church, the local church, your job is to oversee the, the, the happenings, the day-to-day operations. You're to oversee the church. Just like in any business, two heads is a what? Is a monster. You can't have two heads. You've got to have one head of the church, okay? One leader of the church. And so Timothy and Titus are great examples of that. Pick up back again in verse 18, Acts chapter 20. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, and serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears and temptations which befell me, by lying in wait for the, for the Jews. So, so Paul's saying here, you know what? I did what I did. I, I was humble before God. Uh, it, it, was, it was my goal in life to serve God. Paul, he's kind of saying here, and you'll see it some more. He's saying, I could look back at what I did, and, and he's not being bragging. He's just being humble about it. He's saying, I really did try. I tried to do what God had called me to do. I was humble about it. But I, I tried to be a blessing. I tried to be an example. Uh, uh, and, and I tried to live a life that was honoring to God. Church, just pause on that for a moment. Do you try to live your life to be honoring to God? Or is your life a, a series of tornadoes? <laughs> Relationship tornadoes. And everywhere you go, there's like a disaster behind you. You know what I'm talking about? Listen, I heard, heard a pastor say this the other day. He said, he said this. Church, he said, live your life in such a way that at your funeral, the pastor can tell the truth about you. <laughs> Otherwise, I have to get up here and I have to just think of, like, lies. You know, what, this person was a good person, you know. <laughs> but everywhere he went, you know, everywhere he went, it's interesting, look at that, with many tears and temptations which befell me by lying and wait the Jews. They wanted to kill him. So, guys, think about this. I mean, for all historical purpose, looking at the New Testament, Paul is the greatest Christian that ever lived. I mean, can you get an amen on that? I mean, you cannot doubt the Apostle Paul. But over and over again, what's he saying? Guys, everyone's trying to kill me. So this wasn't like the Joel Olstein type of a view of what a pastor was. I mean, this guy was doing what's right. Every time we saw him, he's preaching the gospel of grace. And every time we see him, it, it's the religious people are trying to get rid of him, right? And it's not like they're just, you know, gossiping about him or backbiting. I'm sure there's plenty of that going on. But literally, Paul is being, wanted, they want to kill this guy. And he's saying, listen, I went through all this, and I went through it with the right reason, just trying to be faithful. Verse 20 and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and, and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what's interesting about this verse? Look at verse 21. He says, repentance towards God. That's kind of an interesting thing. Most of the time, Paul rarely ever uses the word repentance uh, when he's giving the gospel. But he doesn't say, now this is interesting, he doesn't say repentance towards sin. He doesn't say it. Repentance, the, the word for repent, the Greek word metneo, which means just to change your mind, okay? It's not a turning from sin. Some people attach that to salvation. Nowhere, nowhere in the Bible does it say repent of your sins to be saved. It does not say that anywhere in the Bible. It doesn't. And here he's saying, he's given a good use of it, repent toward God. Change your mind about God, and look at the rest, and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Interesting, if you were to study this out, I'm not going to give you a Greek lesson here, but it's kind of an interesting thing. You have God, repentance towards God, or change your mind toward God, and then you have the next word, and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. When you put those two together, uh, the, the singular Greek nouns, and they appear in a sentence, or connected by that conjunction, they're, they're both talking about the same person. 
Interesting, we see the deity of Jesus Christ right there. He's talking about the same person. God and Jesus Christ, he's talking about they are the same person. So he's not saying change your mind about God and then faith about Jesus Christ, two different. He's saying this is one, okay? I'm talking about Jesus Christ, changing your mind about who Jesus the Messiah was and, and, and being very clear about that. So if you were to read that verse, if we were to look at that verse, look at the verse again. If you were to literally read it in the Greek, it would say this, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God, even that is faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. That is Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's literally saying there. Same person. So many people have trusted Christ here, verse 22, and now behold, I go bound in the Spirit into Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me, Say that the Holy Ghost witnessed in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me. Neither account I my life, account I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of, Jesus, of the Lord Jesus, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. So he's talking here. He says, listen, I'm staying faithful to the ministry God's given to me to share the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he's saying, this is the last time you're going to see me. Now that must have been a pretty sobering moment. Here's this guy who's been mentoring you. He's your mentor. And he's going to hop on a boat and you're never going to see him again. There's no YouTube. There's no live stream, right? There's no printing press. There's no emails. You know, there's, there's no text messaging. This guy's gone. You're never going to see him again. You're probably not going to hear from him again in your lifetime, right? Verse 26. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. The word pure there is innocent. So what did he mean? Well, I think he's saying it there in verse 27. He's saying this. I didn't hold anything back. When, when I had a chance to speak about Jesus Christ, I spoke about Jesus Christ. When I had a chance to share the gospel, I shared the gospel. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think this meant that Paul and literally talked to every person he ever saw. I think that would have been impossible. But whenever I had a chance, I didn't hold anything back. I gave to you what needed to be said, what God gave to me. He's been there three years there, and he's saying, listen, I gave you what you needed. I mentored you. I preached unto you, and, and I declared. What does it say he declared unto them? Well, look, look at those verses. The counsel of God. That's the will, the purpose of God. It was a systematic study that this is what God says and this is what God needs for us to do. You know, one of the things that we like here at Dayspring is that we are expository in our preaching and that most of the time I go through a book on Sunday mornings and I go verse by verse. And verse 27 comes after verse 26, which comes after verse 25. And, and we go and chapter 20 comes after chapter 19 and we just go verse by verse. We just look at a whole book like that, and I love to do that. A lot of times we do topical. There's nothing wrong with that. Sunday nights I do a lot of topical. That's great. But what we do is we look at what the Bible says, and we try to translate that to how do we live in our lives and how do we improve our life. And, and, and this way, you know, when you go expository church, when you go verse by verse, just remember this. Your preacher can't cheat. He can't skip stuff. There, there's stuff that sometimes this preacher says, boy, I wish I didn't have to preach that because someone's going to get offended by it like today's message, <laughs> but I have to do it because it's the next thing. And if I just say, you know, we're going to skip the rest of this chapter, you'd be like, why? <laughs> it keeps you honest, doesn't it? It keeps, it keeps everybody honest because you're reading what's in the scripture, verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseer. Could you do me a favor, please? Take your pen and underline in your Bible, underline that phrase right there in the middle, 
to all the flock, those four words, to all the flock, and then skip down a few more words, which the Holy Ghost has made you overseer. Okay, so underline it. To all the flock has made you an overseer to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. So what were they to do? What was, what was he telling the church to do? Pastors, your job is to feed the flock. Okay, that is your job. Your job is to do that. The word feed there is a word actually, you know, we think sometimes of just feed like we think of dispensing. We think of like potluck, you know, feed the flock. The word there is literally the word for shepherd. He's saying, pastors, your job is to shepherd the flock. That is your job. That's literally what it's saying. You, you can dispense of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ without shepherding. For instance, you could read a book, you could watch a YouTube video, you could listen on radio, and you can get a lot of good good, you know, message and a lot of good feed and a lot of good content by online. But you're not shepherded by online. You're not shepherded, you know, when you're staying home only and you're, you know, you're only live streaming. You're not being shepherded, okay? He's saying here, I want you to actually shepherd the flock. Not just give them facts, but literally to shepherd them. You're telling people, a shepherd, literally his job is to tell the sheep literally how to live their lives. Uh, the sheep, this is the way you're supposed to be living. This is the way you're supposed to be acting. Uh, and I, whenever, whenever a passage like this is brought up, someone will, someone will always say, well, yeah, but you're not supposed to lord over people and you're not supposed to abuse the sheep. Thank you for telling me that flash of news information. <laughs> like, we didn't know that, right? Let me just give you an inside hint. Can I give an inside hint on pastors? I, I don't know. I'm sure there are some. I'm sure there are some. But I don't know of any pastor that really wants to lord over and abuse the sheep. I, I just don't know. I'm sure there are some, Okay. I'm too busy taking care of everything else. I don't have time to meddle in your life. I just, I, I just don't, you know. You know, you're not supposed to lord over and abuse them. Yeah, amen. And I don't think most pastors have time to do that kind of stuff. Sometimes, you know, people get offended by stuff that's said. Well, take that from the Holy Spirit, okay? The pastor, listen, I am not sitting there like thinking about everybody in this church. Okay, now, I need to say that. And I need, Are you kidding me? I mean, really, you... What do you think I do with my time all day? I mean, <laughs> listen, I got to be fishing on the lake. I don't have time for that kind of stuff. But that just doesn't happen. I mean, church, did we not finish the verses from last week that we were talking about? This is the next set of verses, right? <laughs> I don't plan that. Well, okay, you know, last week in August, we have to talk. About no, it's just what the next thing that comes up. Uh, these messages were put together months in advance. I have I have 10 more messages in the book of Acts that we have to do, okay? And they're, they're already thought out. They're already outlined out. They're already basically put together. They're just already there. So if you sit in a church service and you say, well, boy, pastor stepped on my toes. I don't know, church. I don't know. It, is it possible? Is it possible that the Holy Spirit could be knocking on your door? Is it possible? Okay, all right. So take it from God. Don't take it, you know, pastor, trust me. I don't have time for that, you know? It's impossible to do it. It'd just be no way. But, but literally saying, you know, the, the shepherd is literally telling the, sh- the, the sheep, sheep, this is how you live. Now think. Well, let me ask this question first off. How many of you have ever seen, and be honest, you've seen a real shepherd with a real flock of sheep? Real. Not at the zoo. Don't, don't tell me you went to Milwaukee Zoo. Okay. I have seen it numerous times. I've, I've been a, a tour guide to Israel 14 times, to Egypt four times, uh, and through Africa and so forth. I uh, used to be a travel agent, used to do that kind of stuff. And I have seen, Amy, you've been with me, we have seen real shepherds really in the field, really keeping watch over their flock by night, and, and authentic in what they're really doing. And the, and the shepherd 
is trying to help the sheep do what? Be miserable. He wants to lord over and abuse the sheep. No, I don't think so. He's trying to keep the sheep out of what? Trouble, right? So sheep, no, no, no. We're not eating that stuff over there. That's not good. No, sheep, no, 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 no. You're not going into the briar. Stay away from that, right? No, sheep, no, no. That's, that's a wolf that's dressed like a sheep. You're going to stay away from that sheep, all right? You know, that's what a shepherd's doing. The shepherd just doesn't want any bad sheep. Amy knew that was coming. It's like I was waiting the whole message to do that. It was like, I got to get to this point. <laughs> that's what the shepherd's job is, okay? The shepherd's job is, well, I am going to lord over these sheep. <laughs> They're going to know who's king of this field. <laughs> They're sheep. Come on, guys. I mean, right. You know. and, and the shepherd's job is to report to the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, our heavenly father, and, and to do what he would have and, and lead the church in a spiritual direction. That's what a shepherd does. And sometimes the sheep want to go in the briars. And sometimes the sheep want to eat the food that's not good for them. You know, that's rotten. Don't eat that. A lot of times the sheep... Don't mind it when a wolf comes in the flock. Have you ever seen a wolf or some wild animal come in and take a sheep out? Yeah, have you ever watched like National Geographic? Guys, you've seen it, right? <laughs> it's brutal, right? And the shepherd's job is, I, I don't want you hanging out with that wolf. I don't want you being attacked by that wolf. I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm just trying to help you, you know, go... Listen, you know, just, just be a good sheep, you know, just do this. But, but, but a shepherd doesn't just feed them, but he leads them. He protects them from harm. He guides them to a safe place. And, and sometimes, church, there's sheep that just don't want to be led. They want to do it their own way. And sometimes sheep want to tell the shepherd how to do his job. That's awkward. I mean, could you imagine that? I mean, just imagine that. Bah, Mr. Shepherd, bah. I'm going to go over here and hang out with the wolves, and you're not going to tell me what to do. <laughs> You'd be like, okay, that's creepy. <laughs> no, the shepherd needs to be following the good shepherd, leading them in the path of righteousness, doing the things that Scripture says, following God's plan, following the Lord's plan. And people say, well, uh, you know, I'm spiritual. Well, listen, if you don't follow your local church shepherd, you're not spiritual. You, you can't prove that to me any other way in the Bible. The key to spiritual life is submission, right? And it's not the weird church. It's not goofy. It's not, you know, I'm not the king. I'm not the boss. I'm not the czar. No. My job is, is, is just the under-shepherd for the good shepherd, okay? That's just it. You know, as long as you're in this church, my job is to just do the best we can to, to lead this church in spiritual direction. It doesn't mean I'm over you or I'm better than you or I'm smarter than you. I'm probably dumber than most of you. It's just my office is different. It's just I got a different office than you have, Okay? And people say, well, I'm really spiritual, but, but you won't submit to a shepherd. And if you're not submitting to a local church shepherd in your church, then you're not spiritual. You, 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 the, the two just can't go side by side. They can't do it. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Hebrews 13, verse 17. Look what it says. What's the first word of 13, verse 17? Church, say it out loud. Okay, did I write that? No, this was written 2,000 years ago, right? Obey them that have the rule over you. And do what? What's the next word? Church starts with the letter S. Boy, I hate that word. Submit yourselves for they, they, your pastor, watches for your souls as they that must give an account. So will your pastor give an account? Absolutely. I'm going to give an account for you. 
as long as you're in this church. Yeah, nah, 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 nah. Pastor's got to give an account. <laughs> Read the rest of the verse. <gasps> that they may do it with what church? What's the next word? Joy. Your job is to make sure that your under-shepherd, your pastor, can give an account of you while you're in this flock with joy. Well, read the rest of the verse. And not with, what's the next word, church? Not with grief. For that is unprofitable to the shepherd. Is that what it says? It's unprofitable to who? To you, the sheep, right? So if you kind of imagine the scenario kind of playing out, the under-shepherd has to give an account to the good shepherd of the sheep that were in his flock in this, this thing called the local church. And the under-shepherd's going to have to say, you know, Heavenly Father, this is what we did. This is how we worked out. We did the best we could. Didn't do everything perfect, but this is the best we could. And, and, and you know, little Billy there, we, we just worked with him and tried to work with him. And little Billy just caused all kinds of problems and was disgruntled and caused bad attitudes and gossiped. And little Billy was just a pain in the neck for us. But God, we tried to do everything we could. And God's going to say, okay, well, thank you for trying. <laughs> We're going to deal with you. <laughs> it's unprofitable to little Billy, right? Not unprofitable to the shepherd. You're just doing your job. It's going to be unprofitable to you. It's going to be unprofitable to you when the, when the under-shepherd has to give an account. If you're causing grief in the church, that's what the verse says. It doesn't say it's unprofitable to the shepherd. It doesn't say the shepherd's upset or the shepherd's crying. It's unprofitable for the, for the sheep. But, but look at that word there, right in the middle there. There's that word submit. <laughs> I hate that word because it, it's fingernails down a chalkboard. But, 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 but sheep, we have a pastor in our church and if the pastor is trying to point you in the right way, and you kick and scream and won't listen, refuse, and you argue, the Bible says your life is miserable. Not the pastor's life. It's your life because you're kicking and screaming. The, the shepherd's just trying to get you out of the briars. The shepherd's trying to keep you away from the wolves. And if you kick and scream and pull and, and punch and, and yell and argue and they can't get a word in and, and you're just bickering and complaining, Fine. Live in the briars if you want to. <laughs> you know, enjoy. <laughs> Verse 28, take heed, back to our story, take heed therefore or unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. That's the job of the pastor, to oversee the church. It's not the job of the sheep to oversee the church. It's the job of the pastor. It's a leadership position. And, and Verse 29, for I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter into among you, not sparing the flock. Now, would you take your pen? Let's do this in verse 29. Just underline those first four words. For I know this. Paul says, now think, now think. This is only about, what, 65 A.D. that this was written, or this happened? That this happened, okay? Now think, we're going we're gonna to round out the numbers here, ready? Let's just pretend, and I know it's not exact, okay? Let's pretend that Jesus was born in the year zero. Now, it probably was like the year three, but let's say it was year zero. Okay, so he, he lived 33 years, so let's just call it the year 33 that he died, rose again, ascended into heaven, okay? I'm off a couple years, but for the sake of simple math, okay? Now, when this story takes place, when Paul's writing this, so that was 33, it's only the year 64, okay? 65 at most. So we're only talking about not even like really like 30 years since Christ arose, right? Christ went back to heaven. It's only been 30 years. And look what he says. I know this. I know this, church, that after I leave, so after I leave this church here, because I'm hopping on a boat and leaving physically, 
Shall grievous wolves enter into among you, not sparing the flock? As soon as I leave, as sure as I know the sun's going to rise and the moon's going to rise and the sun's going to set, there are going to be wolves that enter into among the sheepfold here. And, and, <laughs> and he says, I know it's going to happen. There's going to be wolves from the outside. There's going to be wolves from the inside of the church. And they're not here to do good. They're here to do harm. Now, church, it's only been 30 years, and there's already problems in the church. Now, think about that. This is the Apostle Paul. This is the church that he's in. All right, this is a, this is a new church there in Ephesus. And, 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 and Paul is having problems there in the own churches. I know, as soon as I leave, as soon as I leave, there's going to be problems here. And, and uh, he says, I want you to be aware of it. And, and I know you're saying, well, Pastor, you know, this was such a new church at the time, and, and the whole concept of the church was so new. You're absolutely right. And Paul's saying, you better be ready because there's problems that are going to happen, and it's going to be really easy for our church to get off track. Now look at verse 30. Also, of your own selves. There's going to be people within your church. Shall men arise speaking, what kind of things? Good things or what? What's the next word, church? So there's not just people who are going to come in from the outside trying to hurt your church. There's going to be people in your church. <laughs> The Apostle Paul's church, in this church, that are going to speak perverse things to do what? To draw away disciples after them, or to follow them. So there's going to be sheep within their own church that are going to want to be in charge, they are going to want to leave and, and, and lead, and, and when they do leave, when they get upset, when they're speaking perverse things, they're going to try to bring other sheep with them. <laughs> I often laugh, though, even about like my brother's employees. So you leave, where do you go? Where do you go? Well, we're going to follow this person that's disgruntled and perverse. We're going to follow them. Great. Where are you going to go? <laughs> you gonna, the only thing in common you have with that person, you hated that person the whole time they're here. Now the only, the only reason you like that person is because you're both negative, right? You're both disgruntled. And you're going to go, what are you going to do? You're going to have you know, church in a McDonald's? Okay, great. Okay, wonder. And a couple months later, you're going to find out, oh, the grass really wasn't green on the other side. I really blew that one, didn't I? <laughs> you're going you're gonna to go nowhere fast, you know? You're gonna, you're, your commonality is going to be your rebellion, and, and, and the, here we are. This is, this is only just a few years after Christ had, had, had ascended and after the book of Acts started to be written here. And, and it's just amazing that it happened so fast. Now let me say this too. This happened this week to me. I thought it was kind of interesting. I was working with, with Jim Lyons. Jim is here somewhere. Where's Jim? Jim, 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 Jim. Jim right there. Jim, okay. Uh, we were hauling mulch. We get mulch donated, and we were hauling mulch on the trail back here. We're using Randy's trailer. They had a, a bobcat, and they were loading it and stuff. So I had the really exciting job of driving the pickup truck with the dump, and I got to drive around and push the button, and I got to dump. So whatever. So about 12 hours, I was in the pickup truck driving around our church property, dumping you know thousands of pounds of mulch. And I, I, what I like to do a lot is I like to listen to uh, messages. I like to l- listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, sometimes I like to listen to podcasts of preachers that are a little bit to the left of me, sometimes a little bit to the right of me, just to kind of, you know, see where they're at in a passage or whatever. I found it amazing, this one pastor that I'd listened to, who's a very popular pastor, he is very much so Calvinistic and very much lordship in his approach to the gospel, meaning that he believes Jesus or, or God had picked people to be saved and picked people to go to hell, and, and uh, you have to serve God with everything, and if you're a Christian, you always serve God. Christians serve God, and if you're not really a Christian, that's, you know, you're not really serving God. And kind of down this really kind of a goofy road. Anyways, I noticed that through the entire preaching of his messages, I listened to four of his messages, 45 minutes long each, that uh, he quotes an awful lot of early church fathers. Matter of fact, he quotes church fathers more than he quoted the Bible. 
He quoted an awful lot of hymns. And he used the teachings of the early church fathers. And what I mean is the, 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 the pastors of churches, let's say in the year, you know, the year 100, 200, 300, 400, 500, you know, like 1,500, 1,600, 1,700 years ago. He uses their quotes to validate his theology. And, and I realized in listening to his message, he, he quoted one verse, a half of one verse, but he quoted about 20 early church fathers to defend his position. So church, now just think about that for a moment. Now just think. Now, a lot of these early church fathers may have been sincere people, may have been good people. But now look at the passage. Paul says, it's only, the, it's only been 30 years since Christ left. He's saying there's already problems in the church. Okay? Now, now, if Paul says there's already problems in the church, there's already doctrine that's already getting messed up already, then why in the world do we think that some guy that lived 1,500 years ago understands doctrine any better than we do? I mean, what? We, church, this is the only book we should be getting doctrine from, all right? Yeah, but so-and-so, they wrote these institutes, and it's just a wonderful work. It's not the Bible, okay? This is the only book we go to. I've had people, Pastor, have you read this book? You're, you're going to learn something. You need to read that. No, I'm not reading that book. <laughs> this is the book we're going to read, okay? This is the book that we go to for our doctrine. And, and, and I thought it was just really interesting that this guy really pursued his, his theology by early church uh, uh, preachers and stuff. And, but Paul's saying, listen, there's already a problem here. There's already a discussion here. You know, I've had people in the years ask me, say, Pastor, would you ever debate someone on Calvinism? Absolutely, a- absolutely, I all day long. You tell me and I'll, I'll set the date up, we'll do it. Uh, or lordship salvation. No problem. I'll debate someone on lordship salvation. Here's the one rule I have. If you want to debate Calvinism or you want to debate lordship salvation, you are not allowed to quote from an early church father. You can only use this book as your defense. Okay? But, but I need to use John Piper to defend myself. Then you're wrong. <laughs> right? I need to use John Calvin or John MacArthur. They'll, they'll defend it. Then you're wrong, you know? You should be able to defend your doctrine from this book, period. So I'll debate anybody, but the problem is they have to use this. I've never had a Calvinist take me up on it as soon as I tell them that they can't use John MacArthur or John Piper for the resource. You have to use the Bible for your resource. Just because someone says something, they may be sincere, they may be good people, they may be honest people, they may be just really trying hard, but it doesn't mean that they're right. It doesn't... We just stick to this Bible, which is why we open this on Sunday morning, so you can see it too. That's why I put the verses in the sheet right there in your hand. We put the verses on the screens right there in front of you, so you can see the verses too. And, and you could see exactly what we're reading. And that way you'll say, okay, I see what Pastor's saying. You know, we'll prove it. We'll look at it here. But, but he says this. He says, he says be very careful, because there's men that will rise even in your church that will speak perverse things. The church, we need to just watch out and be careful about that. So, Pastor, were, were any of these other things taking place in other churches? Actually, there was. If you'll turn over real quick, we've got a few minutes. Jude chapter 1. Jude chapter 1, uh, verse 3. Jude was written about A.D. 69. So if, if Christ descended in 33, right, we're 36-something years later. Jude was written, and look what Jude says. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort or encourage, you know, to challenge you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Do you remember what we, what we used to teach you? Okay, I'm trying to tell you, you need to contend for this. Verse 4, this is only 36 years after Christ arose. 
For there are certain men crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained in this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Church, what, what are the two problems he's talking about here in the book of Jude? He's talking about two different doctrines that are a big problem. One, he's talking about lordship salvation, right? He's talking about that end of the spectrum where, 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 where if you're not serving, you're not a Christian, right? Because you have made Jesus Lord of all. But the other hand of the thing he's talking about, he's talking about antinomianism. What's that? Well, I'm saved, for by grace am I saved. It doesn't matter how I live. I'll just live and do whatever I want. God doesn't care. I can do adultery and, and murder. It just doesn't matter what I do. I'm saved. Well, that's true. You can technically do whatever you want to do, but we shouldn't do that, right? Paul warns us just because you can do something like that doesn't mean you should do it. So the problems here is two ends of the spectrum are already in the church. He's talking about it. How about this? 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. This was written about the same time. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, early church. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many, many false prophets are gone out into the world. <laughs> many, not just a couple. It's only been 30, 40 years after Christ ascended into heaven. And there's already a huge doctrinal problem, right? So church, you've got to be very careful. Don't, don't read some book. Well... You know, this guy was an early church father, and he said it. I mean, he was closer to Jesus, I mean, as far as on the calendar. He only lived at 100 A.D. or 200 A.D. You know, Christ only been dead for 150, 200 years. He, he must have known what they were talking about. Hogwash. <laughs> this is what God was talking about, all right? We, we have it. We, we don't need an early church father to, to tell us what God meant. He, he wrote it in a book, and he preserved it for us today, right? You have a Bible in your hand. You could go to Walmart and buy a Bible. It's there, okay? We have the written Word of God. It's done. It's complete. It's finished. Nothing needs to be added to it. Let's just stick to this book. And it, it just, it's, it's not that hard. Doctrines change all the time. Fads change all the time. The latest book, you know, oh, Pastor, you've got to read this latest book. It's something new about prayer, or it's something new about the Christian life, or it's something new about the way we live. Time out, time out time out. Last time I checked, it's the year 2020. Is that right? Yeah, we're still living in this apocalyptic. Yeah, right. It's been 2,000, 2,000 years, okay, ish, 1,900 years-ish since this book was written, okay. Fads come and go all the time, all right. New fads, new religions, new stuff. It goes all the time. This book has not changed, okay. The only thing that hasn't changed is God's Word, and it will never change. It's here for eternity. So we don't base our faith on, on what someone wrote or what some church father said or, you know, what's the latest fad or who's on television. We base our faith on the Bible because it hasn't changed. So just be very careful, church. Don't fall into church tradition. Well, church tradition says, I don't really care what church tradition said. It doesn't matter to me. I'm sorry if they made the wrong decision, but we're not living church tradition. Right? We're a Bible church. We preach the Bible. Amen. All right, the errors of the church seem to perpetuate themselves. So, so we live in a time just, I'll say this too, I think, I think some pastors spend more time in commentaries than they do in the Word of God. I remember when I started this church, I had a couple families come up to me and, and they were so concerned. What commentaries do you use? And I mentioned, you know, I got about 20 different commentary sets and I got a bunch of free ones online, you know. And I said, but, but I don't preach from a commentary. I, I preach from this book. I mean, that's what we're going to do. We're going to open up this book. But we're not going to, like, bow down to some commentary because this is the Bible, right? A commentary is, is some very well-meaning pastor's 
translation or not translation, but interpretation of what they believe the Bible said. But they're human beings. Okay? They can make mistakes. If I wrote a commentary, there'd be mistakes in it too because I'm human, right? The only book that doesn't have mistakes is God's Word, so that's why we stick to this, all right? So even if I wrote a commentary, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't be right, okay? Just, there'd be something wrong with it because I'm human. Verse 31, therefore watch. What are you supposed to do, church? Watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day. So what did I do night and day? I warned the church with what? With tears. I was pleading with you. I was crying. I was begging you. You better pay attention. You better watch out. I think if people saw, saw Paul, I mean, based on this verse, they'd probably think he was some emotional basket case. No, he's so burdened about this. He had such a love for the people and such a love for the gospel that, yeah, he was emotional. And day in and day out, he warned the church over and over and over. He'd cry. He'd warn the people. Church, take a stand. Church, be godly. Church, you're going to stand before Christ. Don't be moved, church. And he's passionate about this. And he warned them about what? Well, in this passage right here, he's warning them about the wolves. And if you don't warn people about the wolves, you're going to have problems. And you're going to have the wolves come in and the wolves even among you. Verse 32, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all of them which are sanctified. Okay? I've given you my warning. I've helped you uh, from the outside, from the inside. I've, I've warned you all the ups and downs. Verse 33, I coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. I didn't make any money on this. Yea, you yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Pause there for two seconds. Did you know that's the only place in the Bible that that's quoted? It's the words of Jesus, it's more blessed to give than receive. But interesting, that's not in the Gospels, which means what? Which means Paul heard with his own ears the words that Jesus said, and he recorded them right here. Isn't that, isn't that weird? I mean, you think that's all over the Bible because you hear it all the time. It's not all over the Bible. It's only found here by, by Paul quoting it. Verse 36, And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all, and they all wept sore and fell into Paul's neck and kissed him. <laughs> that must have been interesting. Verse 38, Sorrowing most of all the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more, and they accompanied him into the ship. So, so here he is. He's encouraging them to stick to the truth. He's encouraging them to stick together. He's telling them not to be surprised when people are overtaken with false doctrine. And, and he says, I don't like that either, but it's going to happen in a church. It happened in Paul's church. It happened in Timothy's church. It happened with Jude. It happened with John. It happened with all these people. And he says, listen, don't be surprised if it happens, but you've got to be on the lookout for this. And church, we need to be praying every day for our church. That there's not people within our church or wolves from the outside that are trying to destroy our church. He says it's going to take place, and he wrote that 2,000 years ago. It's just as real today, if not more, that there is a spiritual battle taking place. And we need to pray for our church. We need to pray for the pastor of our church. Notice I said pastor, singular. We have one pastor of this church. That is me. We have paid staff that are ordained pastors. They're on staff. That's to help them counsel and help them minister. There's not a plurality of pastors at this church. We have one, one under-shepherd of the church, one leader. That's how the Bible plays it out. But we pray for each other. Pray for the staff. Pray for the person sitting next to you. Pray for that. Why? That we watch out for the wolves because they're going to show up in and around our church. No, job, no church is going to be exempt from this. And the shepherd's job is to watch and to warn the flock. Why? 
for the preaching of the clear gospel. That is our job, that is our calling, that is our, our great commission, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. What's the gospel? Well, John 3.16 lays it out. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. <laughs> I have to say this. Roy, where's Roy here? Roy, you're back there. I was talking to Roy about the guy I was listening to on the radio this week. He quoted this verse, but he only quoted the top half. In four messages, I never, Roy, I never heard him quote the rest of the verse. Never. Never quoted the rest. He only quoted the top. What does the bottom of the rest of the verse say? That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Church, what's the qualification for everlasting life? Is it you being a good person? Is it you turning from all of your sins? Is it you turning over a new leaf? Well, those may be good things to do, but that's not what saves you. Our belief is what saves us. Belief in the fact that, that we have sinned, we can't pay for it, but God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay the mortgage for the sin. All you can possibly do is believe that, to trust, depend, rely upon that. God, I realize I'm a sinner, I can't pay it, but I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid my sin. I accept that as the payment for my sin. Not my goodness. Church, you can find, the, you can find a good gospel message real easy. A bad gospel message relies on what you do. A good, clear gospel message only relies on what Jesus Christ did, right? And if you're relying on what you're doing for salvation, you ain't going to heaven. Because <laughs> you'll never be good enough. You're, there's no way. There's no way. It's impossible. This verse over here. For by grace you save through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. So what is it? A gift of God. It's not a work. It says it in the Bible. It's not a work. It's not your church membership. It's not you living right. It's not you getting baptized. It, it's not you giving money to the poor. Those are good things to do, but that's not what salvation is. Otherwise, lest any man should boast, you would be in heaven bragging about your goodness. And none of us have got any goodness. Our best day is still a filthy rag compared to the holiness of God, right? right amen for that. So praise the Lord for his goodness. Church, this may seem kind of like a tough passage. Maybe it's hard for some people to swallow. But is it in the Bible? Yeah. Is it a real warning from Paul? And who's it written to? The church. I'm trying to tell you, church, you better be careful. You better watch out. You, be, you, better, you better watch out. You better pray for your, your under-shepherd that he guides and protects you as sheep and all of us together that we don't go into the briars. We don't go into the wolves. We, we, don't, we don't eat the wrong thing. We don't, you know, we're not in the wrong way. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to protect you because we all give an account before our Heavenly Father one day, won't we, right? Let's have a word of prayer and we'll be done today. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for this writing by, by Paul here in the book of Acts. Lord, it's tough sometimes to talk about wolves and people within the church that have perverse things to say. It, it happened with Paul. It'll happen in every church. Father, would you keep us pure? We pray for the, the leadership of this church to help keep our church pure, to help keep it on the right track, to help keep us going sideways into some new fad or some new religion or some new doctrine or, or, or some new thing. Lord, we just want to stay pure to what you've given to us, and that's the Word of God. The best, we, the best we can read it, the best we can understand it, Lord, we pray that you would just help keep this church pure. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. We thank you, Lord, for the purity of the gospel, that it is by grace we're saved apart from works. Nothing we can do, but we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone in Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. We 
are very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262-404-5092 or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com. Thanks for listening.